Welcome to the Linwood Covenant Church Podcast, presented by your pastors, Dave Fosterkamp, Rachel Hart, and Chris Kelly. Join us each week as we dive into the timeless wisdom of Scripture and explore the message of love, hope, and faith that unites us all. So sit back, relax, and let's get into this week's message. Thank you, Patrice. That was a rather long passage. Um, The book of Acts has these incredible stories of things that happened in the early church, but to get the context, you have to read kind of a large chunk just to know what's going on. Um, So last week, we finished our sermon series that we were calling for God's glory and neighbor's good, where we were looking at really some of the foundational pieces of our faith, the things that we stand on, what we call in the evangelical covenant denomination, our affirmations, the things that we affirm to be true um, as we are on this mission to proclaim the good news of the gospel for God's glory and for our neighbor's good. And so we have kind of this in-between week. Next week, we're jumping into a series about discipleship and following Jesus. And so as I was thinking about what we could talk about today, I really wanted to, to kind of continue to live in this idea of for God's glory and neighbor's good, because we have these foundational pieces, but I think, I think we would be wise to consider what keeps us in the game, what keeps us on mission. And so as we start this morning, I want to show you a picture of someone. Um, I did not know who this person was until this week, but I learned about her this week. This is Dr. Patricia Bath. Um, She actually, she passed away in 2019, but she was an ophthalmologist. And so she, um, she was a doctor. She worked and helped people with their eyesight. And early on in her career, Dr. Patricia, she noticed that there was higher rates of preventable blindness in certain populations, especially people who were poor and lacked access to quality health care, and thus began her mission as a doctor to bring quality eye care to those who otherwise might not have it. And she envisioned this procedure. She envisioned, she had this idea that she could maybe use laser technology to remove cataracts and thus bring eyesight back for people whose cataracts had taken their sight. And her idea was so far ahead of the technology at the time that it took her five years of research and testing to have what she needed to apply for a patent. But she had this desire, this passion, this goal to eliminate preventable blindness. Now, Dr. Patricia Bath passed away in 2019, and in 2019 and today, there are still people who don't have access to the technology that she helped to develop. There are still people who experience blindness from preventable causes, not to mention the myriad of other causes of blindness that maybe aren't preventable. And so as I thought about Dr. Patricia Bath and all the good that she did during her career, I wondered... What kept her going? What kept her in the game when she knew that even when she died, there were still people who hadn't experienced relief from cataracts or who were still experiencing blindness? And we can't ask her, but I have a sneaking suspicion that what, doctor, that what kept Dr. Bath going is the same thing that kept the apostles going, and it's the same thing that keeps us going today. And I propose this morning that that thing is hope. That thing is hope. 
Dr. Bath must have seen a lot of progress over her career, both in technological advancements and in how many people had access to healthcare who maybe didn't when she started practicing as a doctor. She got to see people experience sight after blindness. That would be amazing. And I think that instilled in her a hope to do that for more people in more places. And that kept her going on that mission. And I want to propose this morning this. Hope is the fuel that keeps the church on mission for God's glory and neighbor's good, especially when we face suffering, setbacks, and challenges. As I said before, we've been kind of camping out in the book of Acts, looking at the early church and seeing how God and the Holy Spirit moved through and in the apostles and in the early church. And we're there this morning, but before we get to our passage in Acts chapter 5, I want to take a few steps back. Because before we have Pentecost, and before we have this bold early church who isn't afraid to disobey the leaders of the Jewish community, we have the end of the Gospels. And so I want to read to you John chapter 20, verses 19 and 20. It will be on the screen, or you can turn to it in your Bibles. Um, but there was, there was a process that the disciples went through before we get to this boldness that we see in the apostles in Acts chapter 5. So this is what it says in John chapter 20, verses 19 and 20. Jesus appears to his disciples. On the evening of that first day of the week... When the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. So in John chapter 20, we have the disciples hiding in a locked room for fear of the Jewish leaders. And then in Acts chapter 5, we have the apostles who are basically like, we're going to keep preaching the name of Jesus, whether you like it or not, whether you put us in jail or not, whether you flog us or not. And so how did we go from hiding in a locked room, afraid of the Jewish leaders, to blatantly disobeying them and celebrating the, the suffering and the pain that they were experiencing? And again, it was hope. The disciples and the apostles, they knew that Jesus was alive. They had hope that the new kingdom had come. They had hope that Jesus would come again. They had hope that death was not their greatest enemy anymore. And I think Gamaliel was onto this when he gave the advice that he gave in this passage. In Acts chapter 5, verses 38 to 39, Gamaliel says this. I'll turn to it here. Verses 38 and 39. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone, let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. In other words, these other revolutionaries, Theudas, Judas, when they were killed, the movement ended. Their followers were disbanded. The people who were rallying around them lost their hope. And if Jesus is the same way, this won't last. Eventually, these followers will also disband. So you don't need to worry about it. 
Now, it seems to some extent that the leaders of the Jewish faith, that they listened. They did tell him not to preach in the name of Jesus anymore, but they listened. They didn't kill the apostles. Um, And here we are, some 2,000 years later, still on mission, still proclaiming the same risen Savior as the apostles in Acts 5. And I think we can say this mission is from God, right? I think we can say that this mission has prevailed because it is from God. And so this hope, this, the early church had this hope that sustained them through their suffering and their persecution, and it gave them the boldness that they needed to continue to proclaim the gospel, right? Not only did they just sustain through suffering, they rejoiced in their sufferings. And we can't miss this morning the pairing of how it is hope that sustains us through suffering. Because hope is not blind optimism, Hope doesn't require that we ignore our pain or live with an unwillingness to face the harsh realities of life. The early church embraced their suffering and persisted in hope. Paul understood this when he wrote in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. He captures this development of what hope can do and grow in us when he wrote... Let me get to Romans, not Acts. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. The suffering that we experience should ultimately produce hope, and not cynicism, which I think is a good question. How do we make sure that the suffering we experience in this life actually moves us towards hope and not despair or cynicism? And it matters, and I think the answer is, who or what are we placing our hope in? Because misplaced hope, which often leads to failed expectations and being let down, down, will produce or can produce despair and cynicism and not hope. So who we put our hope in matters. So this morning, are we people of hope? And who or what do we have our hope in? I would say first and foremost, we better be people who have our hope in the truth that Jesus is alive and that he has defeated death. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 20 to 22. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. And so we have hope that Jesus is alive and that he has defeated death. These other revolutions, these other revolutionary leaders all fell apart when the leader was killed. And this one is different. This one is different because while they tried to kill our leader, death did not prevail. 
And if we don't need to be afraid of death, then what really can stop us? I think we also have hope of a life that is transformed. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul, um, it's one of my favorite verses in the Bible, but Paul talks about this, this new creation, this transformed life in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. And in Romans chapter 12, we hear about this transformed life when Paul writes, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So we have hope that Jesus is alive, that he has defeated death. We have hope that Jesus and God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, will transform our lives and the lives of the people that we love. And we have hope in a new heaven and a new earth breaking in, which we have in Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. Hear these words. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Those are some pretty incredible things that we get to have hope in and hope for. Dr. Patricia Bath had hope to cure preventable blindness. Living in this broken and fallen world, she never got to see that come to full fruition. But it seems that hope compelled her forward with all sorts of inventions and developments that made it possible for fewer people to have to live with preventable blindness. That's a noble cause. We also have a noble cause and a reason for hope. And so are we fueled by that hope this morning? I think as we look at the testament of the church over the last 2,000 years, I think we can say the answer to that question is yes. There are so many stories of the church persisting in hope. I want to highlight a few this morning that are relevant to our context. The first one is Covenant Kids Congo. So the Evangelical Covenant Church has been partnering with friends in the Dominican Republic of Congo since 1937. I actually didn't realize that we had been partnering with them for that long. But that's 86 years of partnership. Now, this partnership is through the Evangelical Covenant Church, World Vision, and the Dominican Republic of Congo. These three groups have come together to work to bring solutions to complex and long-term problems in the country. After 86 years, things still are not perfect. There are still children who need sponsors. There's still work to be done. But there has been significant progress, and we persist in this partnership. Why? Hope. 
Because over 86 years, we've seen community development. We've seen long-term solutions to problems of access to education and healthcare and ending cycles of poverty. Many in our church have participated in the Walk for Water. That's where all of our funds that we raise go. Many in our church sponsor children who live in this country. And so we are part of this long-term work. And we say, let's do it for another 86 years. And let's see what God can do. We don't lose hope. And then let's consider Linwood Covenant Church, founded in 1984, 39 years ago. Is the Linwood community heaven on earth now that Linwood Covenant Church has been around and hopefully working for God's glory and neighbor's good for 39 years? Unfortunately, no. No, it's not perfect. Is it better than it was 39 years ago? We hope so. I'm pretty confident that it is. I'm pretty confident that in 39 years we can point to places and ways that we have been about God's glory and neighbor's good in this community and that it has brought about transformation. Can and will we persist for another 39 years to do good, to proclaim hope, and to love our neighbors and serve God? Lord willing, let our answer be a resounding yes that we will continue in that work because of the hope that we have. So does our hope spur us on in the face of suffering and setback? Because our hope is not a blind, naive hope. I would call it a defiant optimism, a tenacious commitment that says, even in the midst of setbacks, even when it doesn't make sense, even when it takes a lot of time, even when the work is long and hard, we persist and hope because we know the end of the story. We know how the story ends. And so as we close this morning, I'm going to read two passages of scripture, because I think Paul and John say it better than I ever could. But the first passage is from Romans chapter 8 that really highlights what it means to persist in hope in the face of suffering And then again, I want to read Revelation 21, 1 through 4, that we would hold on to that picture, that new heaven and that new earth that we know that we are partnering with God to bring about. So let's start in Romans chapter 8, verses 22 to 25. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. We wait And we hope, and as we do that, we keep this picture of Revelation 21 in front of us. I would invite you to to take this in and however is most helpful for you as you listen, whether it's to read along on the screen or to close your eyes or to follow in your own Bibles. But hear, hear this picture again. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. 
And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Amen. As we go today, let us go as people of hope, becoming all the more committed to that hope in the face of challenge and suffering because we hold deep within us a confidence in our risen Savior, Jesus Christ, and all that he has done and will do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the reality of hope. We thank you that we can look back to the early church in Acts, that we can look over the past 2,000 years of this mission and that we can know that our hope is sure, that we have placed our hope on a firm foundation. As we go today to be your church, fill us up with hope. Remind us in the face of challenges and setback and suffering that nothing will stop the advancing of your kingdom. Give us eyes to see ways that we can partner with you to declare your good news and to be agents of your kingdom. We long for the day where God's dwelling will be among his people, where there will be no more death or crying or pain. And as we long for that, may that grow in us more and more hope, knowing that someday we will experience that reality. God, we ask all of these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you liked today's message, feel free to check out our other podcasts such as last week's sermon, as well as First Word streaming anywhere you get your LCC podcast. If you'd like to participate in our full service, we are live every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Central Time right on our YouTube channel. For more information on our church, visit our website at litwoodcovenant.org. We hope to see you next week and have a great rest of your day.